You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for Analog Talk comes from Filmstock. Have you been scouring camera shops looking to find a certain film camera? Struggling to find a film stock of your favorite film? Filmstock checks the inventory of used film cameras and film stocks at trusted shops nationwide. When it finds a camera that matches what you're looking for, you get notified immediately. Filmstock even helps you find the best price on your favorite film stocks, like Porsche 400 or Cine Still 800T. It's free to get started. Sign up for Filmstock today at filmstock.app. F-I-L-M-S-T-O-C-K dot app. And for a limited time, they're offering Analog Talk listeners a 25% discount on Filmstock Plus. Use the code Analog Talk. Finally find that elusive film camera with Filmstock. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Chris. And on today's show, we have Lucia Rallo. Hey, Lucia. Hi, Lucia. Hi, how's it going? Good. Thanks for joining us. We're super excited to chat with you. A lot of exciting things that you've done in the film community. But before yeah. we get to all that, do you mind giving our listeners a background on who you are and how you got into photography? I'm Lucia Rallo. And I guess I got my first camera when I was like four years old or something. And then I got into the darkroom when I was in like middle school. And then I moved to New York and I studied photography at the School of Visual Arts. I got out like right when the economy collapsed. And oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that, <laughs> those times. Right. So, yeah. So there were no jobs and I had no money. And so I built a darkroom. Now it's been 10 years. So you got started. You, st- you said you got you got your first camera at f- four years old? Like around there. Yeah. I remember my, it was like, like shortly after my brother had been born. And I'm like a little less than three years older than him. And my friend's parents came 
to visit and they brought one of those like long skinny i forget what they are they take that obnoxious 110 film oh yeah, yeah, plastic, yeah, yeah yeah and i remember like getting that and being like just like totally obsessed and like i grew up in in cambridge massachusetts down the street from the mit museum where they had all the photographs of like the bullets going through the apples and all that flash photography shit because it was oh, where it was invented and whatnot so it was just like this kind of like thing around me for my whole life and then I went to the summer camp when I was like 12 and they had a dark room and I was like I want to get in there and that was kind of just that <laughs> it's crazy you you got bit like real you got bit by the bug real early yeah like, I'm like yeah. I thought I was early at 16 you know <laughs> that I figured out that I had this passion for photography but at four and 12 like that's crazy I was just like oh I can do this and I like like yeah. this and it was sort of like I don't know. My parents were pretty like, you know, at each other when I was a kid. So it was like a safe, quiet, dark space that I didn't have to like worry about interacting with other humans. in. Oh, wow. But also like it was, you yeah. know, usually a shared space in a school. So there was some human interaction. It wasn't like totally isolating. Was the summer was a summer? No, was a summer camp like a like a I mean, my, my the most my summer camp had was like swim class. <laughs> it was actually <laughs> like, like the fact that there was like an, a dark room there is like, wait, what? So, um, so because I grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, I went to public school in Cambridge, Massachusetts. But my, like my mom's house was basically like equidistant between Harvard and MIT. So there were a lot of just like really good resources for public school kids. And it was this random city program that sent us out to Concord Academy for five or six or maybe even eight weeks, like over the summer. And we did five day boarding out in Concord, Massachusetts, which is like 20 minutes from my mom's house. Um, and then we came back home on the weekends and, um, yeah, I don't even have any really idea, real idea who like actually like paid for it, but it was funded by, you know, the city or the state or something like my parents didn't pay for it. And it was just like at this fancy private school during the summer. Um, so they had like, you know, everything there. It was great. It was really cool, man. Weird place to grow up. I'm still stuck on the 110 camera. Cause that's, <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. remember. I didn't remember that. Like I have that same story that it was right? like, I was a baby and I remember getting like, it was like the a pack. I remember the, yeah. Pack. yeah, it was just the, the hard plastic that you uh-huh. need like 17 machetes to get into right. just to <laughs> yeah. get the camera out of it. And I, and I remember running around like a Thanksgiving or something with that and being like, I am the shit. Yeah. Like I am awesome <laughs> because I have this. I totally. Damn. Yeah. I just can't yeah. imagine being like the counselor and like teaching a bunch of 12-year-olds like this is fixer. This is right. don't put your fingers in here. <laughs> I think all the counselors were like your eyes, like undergrads like in college. I think they really were all like 18 to 23, so they weren't like actually that mm. much older than us. I don't think Adults, they really like yeah, knew yeah. what they were getting into either. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you ever do do you still have work from that time period? Do you ever look back on that, that work I don't know I have all my binders from high school but I don't know if I yeah. have my shit from before that I might I have piles of shit that, that I haven't gone cool through to years see. yeah that would be that. cool like yeah. and I like, like, crawl recreate. up above the dark room and go through my garbage bags and binders yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just because I, I you know it could be a cool project to like reshoot something like with adult eyes or something. I don't know yeah you know I, yeah I think it's I was really shooting cool. a lot of like flowers and doorknobs and gravestones Sure. Yeah. Twelve year old girl. But every everything at like a lower level, right. you know, like a twelve year old level. Now you're taller. I don't know. I haven't gotten that much taller since then. <laughs> I, I haven't either since I was twelve. I realized that when I said I haven't grown, I'm still five feet. Like maybe an inch. <laughs> so so then so obviously you've you've 
it's it's been a part of your life for a long time that you made the transition into to art school. What was what was that like? Going to art school? Going to like doing doing photography in in college because I went to a photography school, but it took me a while to like figure out because at that time, I mean, maybe probably still now, probably less so, but people. I didn't think you could you could go to school for photography. I remember when I when a friend of mine was like, oh, "I'm going to this photography school," and I was like, "What? I have a dark like I built a dark room under my parents' stairs. I didn't know I could like do this for like a job, right. like a real like I go go like learn in school how to do this." So so like how do I end up there? Kind of thing. Like yeah. Um, I mean, I was doing stuff like pretty seriously in high school. I went to boarding school after I went to this like summer mm. boarding thing. I, I ended up going to boarding school for high school because um, the best boarding schools in the country are in New England. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so true. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, they had a really great dark room. I basically like picked my high school based on the like photo facilities because I was like, this this is just what I want to do. Like, And I wasn't like really thinking yeah. about like jobs obs or whatever my parents were like sort of hippies but like not really but like sort of artists but (laughs) also just crazy so they were like sort of supportive of the idea of like doing photography but there was also this part of them that was like you need to go get a liberal liberal arts degree but i like was like so singularly focused throughout all of high school that i found the sva catalog school of visual arts which is where i went when i was like a sophomore or something and i was like reading through like all their electives and like all just like all of their like general course offerings, like history and psychology classes, like as well. And I was like, there's like a really diverse range of stuff that you can learn. You're not just going to school and studying photography. Like they still have math and science requirements. They just have one math or science requirement instead of like a year. (laughs) And I was like, cool, like I can do this. My brain won't like totally rot. And I don't know, I made the case. (laughs) It wasn't like a very hard case to make to my parents. I was like, it's a trade as well as an art. Like I'll have a job or I'll have job opportunities. I'll know, you know, like a full set of skills, whatever, whatever. And then I just like came here and I lived in the dorm on 23rd Street for a year and then we moved into an apartment in Chinatown and then I kind of like bounced around and I don't know. I feel like my high school experience was more like most people's college experience and then my college experience was just yeah, kind of like yeah, yeah, art yeah. school. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like, that makes there sense. There wasn't a whole lot of structure. I crammed all my classes into two days so I could like work the other five. <laughs> wow. I was always so jealous of friends I one friend in particular Danielle this girl that I went to school with and she ended up going to RISD for I I don't even I just remember she did like basket weaving and crazy painting and and I was just like you can go to college for that (laughs) like I had no idea that (laughs) that was the thing I don't know see I I wouldn't say that I was from a family I I didn't even go to college so I'm not from one of those families that's like you you need need to go go and you need to get a degree in this yeah 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 yeah. it was there was never any because they were like shit if he goes to college we're screwed we're gonna have to pay a zillion dollars for this so they're like don't you like working on cars or something you know they were trying to push me in a different direction (laughs) but it's it's just wild to think that yeah like you said that there's school for that that i I don't know man i'm so jealous of that because as i've said a million times on this show i totally pissed my high school photography career down the drain just because of girls are pretty and (laughs) and there was one of them in my class and i was just like oh i mean i loved it i loved the bat cave and the dark room and the fixer and it was all like i was getting into it but i just didn't care so it's just neat that that you kind of were on this like path you know 
it's yeah. it's i don't think it's like a very common story that we hear on the show you know yeah yeah no i mean like growing up and like i just turned 35 right so i like i'm sitting here like okay i'm like an adult now and i like look at my like siblings and cousins <laughs> and like they're all you know uh-huh. like give or take three years say and like most of them are still kind of just like i don't know what to do with my life i'm just kind of working a job and I'm like, oh, well, I don't know what else I would do with my life. Right. But right. there's this one thing and it like works more more than anything else has worked. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. less bad yeah. than anything else I've tried. So I'm just going to keep doing it. Well, I mean, it, it makes so much sense why you are a darkroom owner. I mean, yeah. how how did that all come about? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the story of the, the darkroom? How, how did that all blossom and bloom into what it is today? I mean, I got out of school and like they let you use the darkrooms on campus um, in the photo building for the summer, I think, like three months after you graduate and then you're just like cut off and um <laughs> they're like uh, Get yeah so i was like i don't know what the fuck to do like i haven't not had yeah, a dark room yeah. you know like i had my like high school dark rooms i set up like a pretty rudimentary one at my mom's house when i was in high school but yeah i like had basically never been without a dark room and so i started trying to like go other places um but there was nowhere in brooklyn like at all and so it was either like go to print space and pay like 22 dollars an hour or something which like it being 2009 and not being able to find a job and whatever whatever was like a yeah. way yeah, too much money yeah. um yeah. or you like go downtown and go to abc no rio and pay six dollars an hour but they may or may not have anyone there to open the door for you when they say they will uh so you may take this 45 minute trip and take two trains and a bus and get there and not find anyone there so after that (laughs) happened to me a few times i was kind of like this isn't really working like and i don't like have the 22 dollars an hour because i wanted to go in and print for you know four to eight hours or whatever and i was like i don't have 200 dollars to just like drop um on top of paper like right so now print yeah. space is gone and they gave us all their equipment <laughs> full circle <laughs> um, but yeah so i think it was like one day i was just like complaining to one of my neighbors and she pointed out that in the basement of the loft building that we were living in they had these like i don't know six foot by eight foot closets that they rented out for 75 bucks a month for people to use as storage units and the one right next to the laundry room was available and for some reason they rented it to me i didn't tell them what i was going to do i was just like i want a fucking storage unit (laughs) and like i cleaned it out and i coated the walls with plastic and like hooked up like extension cords through holes in the wall that like went to the laundry room and then like eventually i built this little like stink thing that was on wheels so it could like hook up to the extra like because there were there were two washing machines but three spigots for washing machines so you could just screw a hose and turn on this faucet like yeah perfect yeah Um, Yeah. and then just like drain it into the floor it like worked perfectly for yeah and so that was just like a single occupancy like black and white setup it was all i really like thought i needed and it was i mean it was all i need personally yeah but then it got like really busy and yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this was still around 2009? Um, by the time I actually got it open, it was 2011. Okay. Um, it was February of 2011. I started getting back into film around 2012. So I was trying to like track yeah. it along yeah. with like the resurgence of film. Right. Like I feel like a lot of people started like 
getting back into it in 2012 and that's kind of when like the turnaround sort of started like yeah because yeah so if I opened in in like February of 2011 was it it would have been summer of 2012 that we moved into our first we've been in four different spaces so we had two ground floor spaces in this like little mini mall thing loom and so we moved into our first one there I think it was July of 2012 I want to say and we were in that space for a year and then we moved across the hall within that same complex and we were there for like another two years I guess and then in February of 2015 Mm. we moved into the warehouse that we're in now so how is that how is that moving into a place like being a dark room? Do you? It's I mean, exhausting. Because I know you said you didn't. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, every time we moved, we had to rebuild the rooms. Right. You have to yeah, do right. all the framing. Yeah, you have right. to do all the plumbing. You have to do all the electric because it all has to be so specific. You can't just go into a space and like find a dark room. Like nobody else wants one. Yeah. <laughs> like, and even right. if like it would be at a school or an institution or something, you know, like. Yeah. Now, did your did your landlord of the first one when you were just in like the storage locker and they found out what you were doing? Were they like, "What the hell's going on here?" Or were they kind of just cool? With <laughs> they it? were super into it actually, <laughs> and they owned. Oh, awesome. They also okay, owned cool. the building that was the, that had the second spaces that we moved into, and that was like a large right part on, of how okay. I was able to get the deal. He was like, "I like you know, it's like Hasidic Orthodox Orthodox Jewish guy. It's Brooklyn, right? Like they're all." Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, he's like, yeah. I like your like whatever, like spunk or whatever. Like you're doing a cool <laughs> thing here, and he like wasn't mad at all that I like hadn't asked him yeah. for permission. Yeah, so. That ended up being really cool. Because I kind of did the same in the little apartment before the last apartment I lived in. The apartment before that ended up taking over one of the whole entire bathrooms. And the landlord was kind of not cool about it because they, they would come in yeah. to check like the the meters and stuff. And they're like, what? Because they, really cool. they were concerned more so of me polluting like the sinks. And I'm like, do you think I'm like that guy that's just going to dump this stuff down the drain? Like I I have a guy <laughs> like I have a chemical guy. So don't Under worry. Control. you know. I don't think they like thought about that at all. Yeah. My landlord. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and the fact that it was in the basement made it so it could be like publicly accessible and whatever. So yeah, I think that was sort of part of the reason it was like, well, let's make this shared because I graduated with a whole bunch of other people and I'm sure some of them are still in the city and I imagine a few of them are probably in a similar situation. And like, yeah, maybe I could get, you know, 10 people to pay 20 bucks a month or something and not have to pay for my dark room. Wow. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. That was like Genius the idea. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Just get myself like a free. And so now it's not free. I mean, it's free sort of. <laughs> <laughs> right, pays for itself. It's a trade-off. Yeah, yeah. That's great. How how many um how many stations do you have? How many enlargers? In the black and white dark room, we have eight, and then we have a color dark room with four that are currently set up, but the potential for five or six. And then we have a private dark room that has two, and then we have a large format room that can do like giant mural prints. Wow. The next time I'm, I'm in New York, I'm coming for a yeah, visit because yeah, you gotta it come sounds it. like a dream it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah do you have do you have like a well i know during the pandemic you guys were basically you kind of had to shift yeah right you had to kind of shift to more of a drop your film off and we'll develop yeah. it how, how was what was that like um awful <laughs> no i mean because yeah, everybody was shooting right? right everybody was like had nothing else to do yeah it was like really quiet for like i don't know like two or three weeks and then it was like everybody like had started shooting at the same time finished shooting and then all decided to start mailing in their film like 
on the same day and yeah yeah wow. for like a couple of months there I guess it was all just like kind of you know selfies and whatever like in the mirror and whatever like just like people being at home alone isolated yeah uh, and then once the protest started it was all that oh that's right yeah so it kept like it was a, a steady flow for like several months and it was really overwhelming but I mean, it was good money, so that was cool. And it, yeah, yeah it's, it it's, at fly, least because uh, so. a lot of you know, think about a lot of businesses who had to just shut down and couldn't. Yeah, there was no other like yeah crazy to think about. Yeah, I think a lot of the labs in the country like just shut down completely, and like I, think I don't know. Right. I was just yeah. kind of like, what's going to happen? Yeah. Like, I'll just keep doing this it's just me like going back and yeah. forth between my house like i'm not bothering anybody like uh yeah and then people figured out that they could nail us their film and they did how are things now or is everybody i'm sure you have like covid guidelines and all that stuff but what what is it is it back are people back being comfortable and they're definitely like coming back and it's good the last like few weeks there have been a couple of people in kind of like all the stations for like a couple hours on like most days and it's like it's been you know until the last like few weeks probably it's been like one to five people coming in and using the space each day and now we're more like five to ten five to yeah five to ten so that's good you know and like they're yeah. spreading yeah, themselves great. out and there's enough room in the building that people can spread themselves out so yeah i i like it i like i feel much better when the income revenue or whatever is coming from different types of things not all just right. coming from film developing you know like i want it to be memberships and classes and rental and drop off like all the things so that we can i guess have something to fall back on if crisis hits and i guess it works i don't know it seems to be working was there ever a scary point during all of that where you were kind of just like i don't know if this is going to make it or did you kind of just have enough with all the film developing stuff to to not really yeah i have mean a chance to worry like, about that <laughs> i really didn't like i yeah i the feds gave us in may they gave us like 13 grand i think of of idle money oh, the, yeah that stuff oh, wow. so we've gotten yep, a yep. little bit of government money and it's always been just like enough to be like okay cool like cushion like breathing space right. like everything is really totally right. fine just keep going and like figuring it out it's great so that's so scary to be because that's i don't know if if we mentioned it since we've been talking but we have done this interview before <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. we had a little bit of technical issues last time and it's all coming back to me now that we're having the conversation again i'm just like oh this is great but it, i i feel like even a couple weeks ago or i mean maybe it was even over a month or so ago we were talking to you and i feel like it was it was kind of in a different spot for you and and it feels good to hear that people are coming in and re you know yeah. things are things are finally kind of getting back to normal ish yeah i feel like in the last like i don't know two or three weeks there's been like a sort of shift where i've found myself like looking around and i'm like hey there are like six different people here yeah. at one time yes. and it's like that's a huge relief because it's like that's why i started a community darkroom and not just like a fucking drop-off film lab you know and like yeah. i didn't ever like having the film developing resources like clearly a core 
part of our business model or whatever. And it's definitely an important resource to offer and like whatever, whatever, whatever. But the community space is the reason to build like the business exists. It's not like if I wanted a lab, I could do it in a shipping container on Central and Decalp, just like right. that yeah. guy. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's so hip. So what's the, <laughs> the hip thing to do? So talk who I want to hear about the classes and stuff that you offer. Who is teaching those? Is that do you have people to come in and do that? Are you doing that too? Or I'm not doing that. What are those? Yeah, no. Um, They're basically (laughs) all like former volunteers that were Mm. teaching classes in the before time or whatever. And most of the classes are still private, but we're sort of trying to add in more group classes. We're doing like a developing demo thing tomorrow tomorrow with one of my uh old teachers from the school of visual arts um so that's gonna be cool yeah so i try i mean i try and cover like the full spectrum and like yeah we had in the before time i don't know what the fuck else to call it we had like a four-week series (laughs) that was like how to use your camera how to develop your film and then two weeks on like how to make the prints so basically i'm trying to like get back up to having that at least Mm, um be fully present again but so far we're really just doing the developing and printing the actual like intro to camera thing hasn't filled up when we've offered it that'd be such a cool thing to do like like on a date night like we we like we made candles when we were we were in atlanta for our friend's wedding And like, it was just like, we sat and like, like they were teaching us how to make the candles and everything. And it's like, I just, that just like popped in my head like that, like come learn how to shoot a roll of film and develop it yeah. and then go home with a print, you know, yeah. like that's so cool. Like pretty. You can market it. You can take that marketing idea of it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> date, date night, date night develop. That's so cool. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, it just like kind of depends on people's comfort level too, right? Like how many people we're actually going to sure. get. Yeah. Seems like things are looking good. So fingers crossed winter isn't too terrible. Oh, yeah. I hope. Love to hear it. So I want to talk about your, is the dark, the dark room your only gig or do you do gigs outside of like the dark room for work? Do you do any shooting for money or? Not really. Only like occasionally. Yeah. I did an event for a friend like three or four weeks ago and like I did like I assisted for a friend on a wedding in the like the spring so like I'll do that kind of thing but only occasionally and like for friends because I'm just like I don't operate well under that kind of stress I kind of like tend Mm -hmm. to forget how to use my camera (laughs) and then (laughs) like what? Yeah sometimes doing those side gigs will like reaffirm that you're like I'm meant to do this community dark room and I'm, I'm cool with right. it you know and your art is your art kind of like timothy yeah. you right. always say like like photography is for you because you don't want to have it be tainted by the stress of it all you know yeah and like trying to make images that like are what other people want even though like they're hiring you because they like what you're already doing so really it's not that stressful just do what you always do right <laughs> get out of your head <laughs> well can we talk about your art for a little while i did just i've been like fascinated by your uh gray series oh yeah i was the- on to, like actually start that i'm actually i'm actually going to start that i just have to like figure it out i'm having like mixed feelings like about a lot Uh-oh. of that Uh-oh. like nft stuff yeah. yeah i don't know i just like i realized i really really don't like the one specific person that's like very very involved in the nft scene um oh. and like if i'm gonna be like really involved in it like i need to be in the same room as him and i really don't want to be so i don't know i'm like kind of like mulling on that right now but i have all these gum prints that are minted and like ready to go so at some point i'm going to figure out how to sell them it. And, yeah um, 
That's right. The the gum prints. Can you talk about that again? Because that like blew my mind last time we chatted. Okay. So they're, I mean, they're gum prints, which you make by mixing gum Arabic with potassium dichromate and any color, watercolor pigment. Um, I That's usually so use crazy. like powder pigments. This. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And a, not a lot of people, but some people, a few people, I think they have a class on it at Penumbra, um, do tricolor separation. So you can get like a okay. color neutral gum print by using cyan, magenta, and yellow. I, mean, I guess black. But that's not what I do at all because like I learned it from this old woman in New Hampshire and I guess I just got brainwashed or whatever. But I think that I start with <laughs> black and white negatives. So I don't do tricolor separation. Um, and then I just do multiple layers of like different colors until I kind of get like a blend that I like. And I tend to sort of stick to colors like of the same tones in one print. So I don't end up with like a muddy brown. I also realized mm. I don't actually understand color theory like at all. And I probably should have taken like a painting class at some point in art school. But right. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the reasons I went to SVA. It was like they let you skip all those core <laughs> art classes where you learn like uh-huh. the science of art. Like I was like, no, just put me in the dark room. I don't need to know that shit. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so yeah, they come out looking like watercolors, basically, but they're actually photo prints. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's some there's some cool videos on YouTube, Chris, if you really want to deep dive in it. You should because it's Yeah. Now, are you doing large format with that? Is that is that how you do it? I usually start out with either a medium format or a four by five negative. Okay. And then yeah. you have to have a contact negative to make the print with. So I oh, use okay. lith film for that. Um yeah, they make like I think it's designed for screen printing stuff for making mm-hmm. the negatives to print print the screens but you can if you develop it so usually traditionally lith film only gives you black and white instead of shades of gray but if you use uh like select all or like other like soft developers um it'll give you shades of gray and so then you can get like a pretty like tonally rich large contact negative and they sell it in i don't know huge sheets i think i've seen up to 20 by 24 but i'm pretty sure it gets bigger and you might be able to buy rolls of it i'm not even sure um Wow. So you could theoretically yeah. do like very large prints, but then it's a matter of how are you going to expose it and how are you going to develop it? Because it does need to be yeah. developed like laying flat and like you really do kind of need a piece of glass to put over the print, even if you're exposing it with sunlight. Like, So I don't know where you're going to find a four foot piece of glass, but <laughs> yeah. not anywhere cheap, especially now. <laughs> That's such a neat process right. too, because I remember yeah. when I was in high school, I did screen printing. It was like a, a class uh-huh. that they offered and... And I, of course, took it because it was a lot of fun. And, you know, the first round you're doing hand cut stencils. The second time you're doing emulsion stencils. And I didn't realize that it was so much like that until you said that. Because when you're doing stencils, you know, it's usually lettering and and it's not the shading. There barely is shading or anything like that. Like there's no like gradient if you're doing a t-shirt design. It's usually like pretty solid lines, a lot of negative and positive space kind of stuff. So that's really neat that, that there is a way to kind of make a true negative out of it i i love that alternative process stuff is that stuff that you do do you do any other kind of stuff like that at the dark room like do you guys do any like platinum or any other kind of like weird alternative processes at the dark room we have a whole like collection of random chemistry okay and uh, 
like the first two editions of the Christopher James book. So, and like a really awesome, intense uh, UV exposure unit. Oh, rad. Cool. Yeah. But we don't have like necessarily like, here's your Van Dyke kit. Here's your whatever. Um, We do have like Mm -hmm. a surplus of cyanotype stuff. So like there is that. And there are like a good number of people doing cyanotypes. Camille just made this crazy 20 second stop motion video in literally 48 hours last weekend. I have no idea how she did it. Like. She was like telling me how she was going to do this project. And I was like, you're insane. And then she made digital negatives. Okay. So she had her frames Mm -hmm. like charted out like a contact sheet and like was doing 13 by 19 prints, cyanotype prints. But she did like, I don't know, like 30 prints with all these little frames. And then she scanned all the prints and chopped them up and stitched them together and made a fucking stop motion video. That's crazy. I love that. Yeah. It was so cool. I need to stop being a wuss when it comes to that stuff because I've always been i forget who it is i'm gonna hurt you youtube <laughs> no yeah. it's not i just need to you know it's just one of those things where you're like yeah next week i'll get to it totally. I'll, you know, yeah. <laughs> and there's this guy though on youtube he does all those like he'll i, I think platinum and palladium are two different things i'm not 100 sure palladium is like a know. slightly cheaper version i think okay. i have not yeah, done a lot sense, of that because it's, it's platinum. all so yeah. prohibitively expensive yeah but yeah. if somebody uh-huh. but wanted I mean, to show up with their own they could <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> just the look of it is so mind-blowing like yeah. oh my goodness i need that's the one thing in in photography school that we like we didn't really touch on any of the alternative process stuff that's i mean our yeah. listeners know i don't know any of that yeah because we, they were teaching us how to like do, like run a business as a photographer essentially yeah. versus like we maybe had like a one day we did a one day emulsion lift class and i was like <laughs> You know, in love. I was like, like, we could do this like, wait, what, one time? We're going to do this one time? That's not fair, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess I don't think we even did much at SVA either. Like most of the like alternative processes stuff that I learned, I learned in high school. And I took a class oh, wow. at the Art Institute of Boston when I was in high school. It was, and that, is that where Christopher James was? No, does he work at RISD? I don't remember. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. it's got one, it's one of the like, like they, they had a really excellent alternative processes like studio they had like a huge contact mm. printer and like everything that you could want so it was a dope dope class i mean even cyanotype you know what i mean like that stuff yeah, i have yeah, a yeah. kit where it's like a two bottle kit you paint mm-hmm. on some watercolor paper and then do like a transfer and i even went out and bought some whatever they are the the sheets the the clear sheets that you print a negative from your negative on to like a laser printer kind of thing and i was yeah. really going for it but it's it's so uh I was just doing sun, like contact printing, taking it out to the sun and letting it do it. And it's it's not, I wasn't trying very hard. It was just like during the pandemic, I was like, I'm going to try to do some of my four by five negatives in, in contact prints. And I, I got some good results, but it's, it, there's just so much. If you're into printing and alternative process and stuff, yeah, it's, it's something. Because I mean, there's so many different ways too. There's like al- albunium or whatever it is where it's like egg whites and stuff like that like it right. gets what? it gets so crazy there's so many yeah. cool things you can do really incredible yeah so are you doing the nft thing making art specifically for that or do you have any plans to like do a zine or a book or like a gallery show at, at maybe at bushwick or anything like that in the future um i mean yes and no right i have my gum prints up yeah. in the gallery at the dark room now for probably a couple more weeks cool um and they're all like up on open sea and 
I do think at some point, hopefully in the next six months, my friend Justin, Justin Eversano, who probably some of the people listening to this podcast know, know uh, or know, at least know the name, just launched this platform called Quantum Art, where they're like releasing collections for photographers specifically. And so I was talking about doing a custom collection for their platform, but he wants it to oh, be cool. like 20 gum prints that are new. <laughs> like 20 new gum prints. <laughs> Get the work. Going to Jeez. Yeah. And also I have like 50 black and white prints that I still have to make for him because I do his oh, like yeah. black and white printing for his clients and whatnot. And so I'm like, let me uh, get back to you on that. And then like the gray matter project that I was talking about before, I think for the moment, I'm just yeah. going to put that like on Instagram because I do want this okay. documentation. Can you can you explain what that is for people? So it's like, I guess the idea is that it's like a documentation of the progression of the graying of my hair, but also like sort of in conjunction with little like pieces of like how that makes me feel kind of thing. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. It's It's very good. I I grew up with my whole or a lot of my identity being just like I love my hair. And I love the like brown and the multidimensionality. But like I got my first gray hair when I was like eleven or twelve years old. And like I know that my mom (laughs) was like pretty much completely gray by the time she was 40. So I'm like, I only have a few more years like left with like any brown hair at all. And I've noticed over the last couple of years the rate at which I'm getting gray hairs is accelerating. So Mm. I'm like, I'm gonna do a photo. I think of the back of my head. I have to figure this out in the next like couple of days. But every week until my hair is completely yeah. gray. And then it'll be like this interesting little like flip book where you can just like run them and see like <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Because like. I, I was like th- scrolling through Instagram and I was like, what is this? And I was like, what? Wait. And then I was like, oh, ooh, like this is like, <laughs> this is really cool. Because, you know, we're all getting older. Right. And it's happening to all of us. And I think my mom, she, she, I don't actually know. She's, she's all gray, but she dyes it. So she says, she has this joke, like, make sure I'm not gray in the casket. Like, like, she's like, like, I am not going out. Yeah. I'm not going out with gray hair. And, you know, a lot of people, you can pull off, you can pull off like the silver, like, you know, like the, I'm like, it's so cool to have like, you know, the bob with like the silver hair. And, and, and I have my dad's hair. So I'm, I don't, I'm 38 and it's just starting like, to come in and it's right where his is too like right by the temples is where he's gray so it's like kind of underneath if i lift up it's all there um so i just i i was like fascinated by that and i just like think that's such a cool yeah different documentation thing and i was just like into it so i'm like excited to see where it comes where it goes that's fun to hear it's funny because like i wasn't like really like thinking about it like too too hard and i still like i'm not and i don't want it to be something that i think about too too hard but like i've had a couple conversations with a couple different people where they're like that's like really interesting and i'm like oh i thought it It was like sort of navel gazing but like great cool (laughs) (laughs) and it is it's also interesting because you know there's the there's the whole like men get distinguished when they're salt pepper and they're gray it's like oh look how sexy and handsome and it's like women are like like, I'm getting your roots. You're gonna like take care of that, or like, <laughs> you know, like. And like when I was a kid, my mom was always dyeing her hair, and then like sometime uh-huh. when I was in high school or college, she came home with it all chopped off, and like <laughs> that was how. And it was all white. It was completely white. She like skipped yeah. and gray, and like 
and uh, like she was using the fucking you know at home kits from CVS in the nineties. So she just like totally uh-huh. destroyed <laughs> yeah. her hair. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like I feel like that's like no. pushing yourself into this like box of like trying to be something that you're not, and like yes. that yep. feels very like contradictory to just like me. Like I'm not very good at pretending to be something I'm not. It doesn't always work to my advantage. Right. I mean, who knows where where I'll be? And because my dad's, he's in his sixties. It's still dark. So maybe, maybe I won't even have to deal with yeah. it. <laughs> you know, if if I I'm like on his track. Although my mom is, you know, she's, she's like since forty five. I think yeah. she's been dyeing her hair. Maybe even sooner. So, um, it's crazy. You'll but never just, like, know. Like I said, I love. <laughs> I'll never know. I'll, maybe I'll just be, you know, a little mousy brunette for into my eighties. <laughs> Could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That is so cool. Just because I, I've never, I mean, I've never really cared, obviously, because it, it is easier for guys to just kind of be gray and that's it. And like, but yeah. just in the last year of like the pandemic, like really took its toll on my gray hair. It, it was so weird because my beard, I don't know. It's like all that's white. You know what I mean? It's not that I don't have yeah. hair there. It's just I'm a... <laughs> I'm a I'm turning into Santa Claus and it's 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 okay. Like I'll be the jolly the jolly little but yeah. And I even see that with my own mother. Like I remember when I was coming home when I had to move home too from the pandemic, she was like, Just so you know, I haven't dyed my hair in like a year or something and I'm like, Oh, whatever and then I saw it and I was like, That actually looks really cool because there's yeah. something about dyeing your hair that it, it feels like it gives you this almost, well, to me, when I see people like that, where it's obvious, where it's very noticeable, it feels yeah. like they're like grasping at straws to hang on to something uh-huh. that, yeah, 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 and yeah. that almost seems more sad than just letting it be what it is, you know? it's Totally, uh, yeah. Don't let me speak on behalf of women, though, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you're summing it up, like, pretty well, like, that sounds yeah, about yeah. right to me, like... We'll be right back with a couple listener questions for Lucia after this message from our sponsor. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Just wanted to pop in quick and let you guys know about our Patreon Developing Hang Nights. Now this is a Patreon only exclusive. We've done a bunch already. They're a ton of fun. We laugh, we develop some film, we talk shop. It's just a good time. We've done a bunch already. If that sounds like something you're interested in, head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. Patreon is the best way to help support the show. Thanks guys. All right, guys, this is a part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. We're actually going to do two questions. Um, the first one comes from Han, friend of the show, and she asks, a lot of your photos have water as a th- recurring theme. Is this purposeful? I guess I would say that it has sort of become purposeful. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly like when it started. But I mean, I guess like I probably started when I was a kid, actually, because we used to do a lot of camping in upstate New York and go climbing around in the gorges a lot. And so I was always kind of shooting that stuff. But over the last few years, since I I did a residency in 2015 in South Carolina, where I strictly focused on waterfalls. Um, And that was sort of the first time I was consciously like, here's the like water element tying this project together. I'm, you know, going exploring, looking for waterfalls, and I'm going to photograph them and turn them into gunpowder. And, blah, 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 blah. and then since then, I've sort of been like toying with that idea and trying to think of like how I can maintain like sort of water as like a central element of the image, but not necessarily in such a like totally literal way. So that's why I'm interested in like the desert and the jungle as well as like the beach. And like, like I'm like, I'm just like, well, okay, so that actually means that I can shoot any type of landscape that I want because water is essential to landscapes and earth and whatever. Um, wow. Whether yeah. you can see it or not, whether it's like directly like the central focus or not, you can see like the impact that it's had. And I mean, then you can like circle back to climate change and all of this stuff and the importance of whatever and natural beauty and like this isn't going to be around for much longer, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great answer it is a good answer and i just love I'm, I'm such a big fan that gum prints are like your medium like that's your thing like and they your develop end result. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 very cool are you a swimmer is it do, you know do you swim not too? really not really <laughs> i grew up doing a fair amount of sailing because i grew up in new england but Oh, cool. Older yeah, I get, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of more terrified of the ocean, especially with like all the fucking sharks and shit. Like, I just, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I don't know, it's getting scarier <laughs> instead of the other way around. Eels, <laughs> you know, I listened to that Silky Love episode of Radio Lab, which if you haven't listened to, you need to listen to. I changed my Ooh. life. A Man. maybe not yeah. good way. I don't know. I don't know if I. I don't know if I need to be scared of something else. I'm already terrified of everything. Yeah, yeah. I need a bubble to live in. You do. <laughs> <laughs> well, good answer. And yes, great answer. We're gonna take one more question, and this question comes from Tree Ryan, and they wanted to know how has working with the darkroom changed your views on photography? It's kind of interesting. Yeah, kind of like I guess like in what sense. And also, like, I don't know, because I don't know what my views would be if I weren't doing a darkroom. But also, like, compared to where I was before, I don't know. I mean, I still feel the same way, like, about photography. Like, I still feel like it's, like, democratizing and should be accessible and, like, very important in terms of, like, documenting history. And I feel like film is super important because it's archival and, like, all of these things... But I have a different sense of who the people shooting film are. 
mm. now than I would yeah. if I weren't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm doing customer service now. It's not right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm out like taking pictures and making art all day every day. I'm like doing a lot of customer service, and so I've learned a lot about people and their attitudes <laughs> <laughs> more than about like right more than anything that would like change my thinking about photography like i've learned a lot more information about how things work and how to do things and how to use different machines and all of this stuff but my like fundamental like feeling and thinking about photography hasn't really changed i don't think but photographers i went from art school sure. to doing <laughs> customer service so those are pretty different yeah. demographics like yeah (laughs) but it's good to hear you're not like getting burnt out on photography like no yeah no i mean if i were like gonna have a nervous breakdown and run away from everything i would make sure to bring my camera you know like i I would would not be like running away from the dark room i'd be running away from the people yeah (laughs) because that's how i kind of looked at the question was you know i me like an example i don't want to be a wedding photographer a portrait photographer i don't want my job to be really photography related kind of thing that's why it's hard for me to do youtube videos i mean thankfully this podcast is fun and easy to do that it doesn't involve me burning out photography i was just kind of looking at it in that aspect of working in a field that you love personally and that you use kind of personally for to get your yeah I don't have a lot of time to do my own shit. So like the time I yeah, do right. get to do my own shit is like cool. Yeah, but it also yeah, like yeah. is kind of hard to motivate. And like, I'm definitely not as productive as I was when I was in school, but I'm also mm. not in school anymore and running a business. Yeah. So like, I mean, <laughs> I think that's what they call the real world. Unfortunately, yeah. right. <laughs> <Growing> <laughs> gotta up. pay the bills. Yeah. Like, Growing yeah, up. Just make yeah. art. <laughs> Hopefully I can fit them in together. I wanted to ask you one more question about running a darkroom. It's super inspirational to me that it's a woman-owned, woman-founded space. Do you run into any issues with that sometimes? I mean, mostly not, but like occasionally. I mean, you do get the dude that comes in and just doesn't feel like he has to hear anything that you're saying or acknowledge anything that you're saying and definitely knows more than you because he's been shooting film for five years <laughs> like really bro yeah Gross. so like that kind of shit happens but i don't feel like from people in the industry or anything there's any really weird or like necessarily negative shit i don't know i kind of tend to try Good. and stick to myself so maybe there's a whole group of people out there that are talking a lot of shit i don't know it's entirely possible but <laughs> oh, hopefully not. they're over there yeah and like yeah. they can stay over there and for the most part people are chill and respectful yeah i don't think a lot of people really think about who owns the business for the most part you know i think more people are just like oh it's a dark room oh i can drop off my home oh i can like whatever 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 and like it's not really a like big deal for most people and then some people figure it out and they're like oh that's cool i am like in some book or something i guess about being i think it's about being a female small business owner I don't know. Oh. It's not out yet. We're happy to celebrate it here on Analog Talk. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful definitely. thing. Yay. So Tough question time. Tough questions. Okay. If you were speaking of running away to a desert <laughs> island <laughs> and grabbing your camera, right. what camera would you bring and why? Oh, but see, that's an easy one. That's just my Hasselblad because I have a Hasselblad. Mm-hmm. I just got one and I'm obsessed. Right? It's like you don't need anything else ever. So good. <laughs> yeah. 
And I, I was like totally not into Square for like such a long time. And now I'm like in love. Yeah. I as soon it. as I started I on, the, on the Square, I was like all about it. And I was trying to use Holbiz for a few years and like couldn't even like fucking get exposures from them because they were just so leaky. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, are. Yeah. They're a pain. Yeah. How long have you had your your Hasselblad? I got it in 2007 or 8. Yeah. Like right wow, my so like, last long, year. Of school. The long game. Yeah. Yeah. I found it for like 800 bucks on eBay. It was like a crazy deal. Wow. I was like, credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Something like that for 800 bucks. That's so good. Great answer. Second part. Yes. Is there any cameras that you are dying to get your hands on and want to shoot or want to try any white whale, anything you're lusting after right now? I mean, not really, except that like the other week I found these two little point and shoots like in my drawer. I think one's an Olympus and one's a Yashica. And I would like to get them working because I haven't had like a little pocket camera in Ooh. a really long long time and i'm sort of like i mean i i do like take photos with my iphone i realize like that's my pocket camera like and i do like flip through them sometimes just to be like oh yeah look at that you know like i do kind of look at my own photos so i'm like (laughs) what if i had a snapshot camera that shot film like i don't have a snapshot camera that shoots film i think that's important for the arsenal yeah yeah it really is because sometimes you're you're in situations where you're like i can't i'm not going to bring the hasselblad you know right (laughs) and these are little things that have flashes so i could just be like shooting wherever and like taking the kind of casual uh-huh. photos that I'm developing for all these people. Like I can do that. Why am I not documenting my life on film ever? <laughs> like, yeah, you need you need to you need to get on that. <laughs> right. I know. So I guess that's my next project. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. And hold you to it. If it's a Yashica that's in your in your drawer that's not working, you got to get that figured out. It's a great camera. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they're both like kind of pretty nice cameras with like pretty nice lenses. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I need to like make this kind of a priority and stop just staring at them and take them to like Nippon or whatever. Like, yes. yeah, yeah, yes. cool, great answers, both great yep. answers. Yeah. Anything else, Timothy? I think that's it. Yeah, this was uh, great to hang out with you again. Yeah, nice to chat. <laughs> yeah, sometimes uh, technical difficulties work out for the better. Yeah. Where can everybody check, first of all, you out, and then where can they find out info about Bushwick Community Darkroom? So we both have, I guess, all the social media and websites. I am, I believe I'm Lucia.Rollo at everything. I think I changed it for Twitter and Instagram. And then my website is just LuciaRollo.com. It's L-U-C-I-A. R-O-L-L-O-W. Uh, and then the dark room is for social media, it's Bushwick DKRM instead of dark room being written out. It's just DKRM. And then the website is just Bushwick Community Darkroom.com. Yeah, and anybody anybody in New York, drop in because I'm jealous and I will next time I'm in New York, I'm gonna make it a Come say hi. Yeah. We're stop on my uh, itinerary. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Amazing. Well, yeah, I get th- thanks again. Timothy, where are you? Guys, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Timothy Makeups. Also on Twitter under the same handle. Also got some YouTube videos. Go to the search bar. Just type in Timothy Makeups. Easiest way to find it. Chris, that's it for me. Where are you? I am Crispy Photo on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We are Analog Talk Pod on Twitter. Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram. We have a Facebook page and a group. You can join and share photos and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. 
All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. First off, we'd like to thank Lucia for coming on the show, actually taking the time twice to record with us. We had some technical issues the first time, and we're so glad we made this happen. You have such a great story. The Bushwick Darkroom is amazing. Hopefully, we can get ourselves and visit the Darkroom. Like, how uh, it would just be so awesome to, to come check it out. Thank you so much. We love what you're doing. Guys, that's going to take us to Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk for only a buck. You can get the show two days early. We also have a bunch of other things over there, our developing hang nights, and as I said before, Patreon is the best way to help support the show. For the Patreons already who help support the show, guys, we do not know what we would do without you. We greatly appreciate each and every single one of you. We also want to thank Filmstock for sponsoring this week's episode. Guys, head over there, check it out, use the discount code. They're doing great things for the community. That's going to be it for this week's episode, guys. Until next week, we'll see you soon. Later. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.